Hello, and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Abigail Rist is the daughter of missionary parents, and when the war in Ukraine began, she was glued to her favorite news outlets because her lifelong friends were in danger. On today's Cedarville Stories podcast, Abigail shares her experiences of growing up in Ukraine and how she is dealing with the current unrest with your host, Mark Weinstein. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and today in the program, I'm continuing with our mini-series with individuals who have been impacted by the war in Ukraine. I trust you found last week's podcast with Leah Harper to be inspiring and helpful as you navigate through the global tension in Ukraine, and I am confident you will enjoy today's program. Joining me today is Abigail Rist, a junior who is majoring in international studies. What's pertinent for today's discussion is the fact that she grew up in Ukraine as a daughter of missionaries, although her parents are now living in Michigan. Before I get to my conversation with Abigail, let me share with you that next week's program will be one of Abigail's favorite professors, Dr. Glenn Dewar. He will talk with me about why Russia invaded Ukraine and how he views this tragic story from a biblical worldview. You won't want to miss next week's program. So with that all said, let me welcome my friend Abigail Riss to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Abigail. Thank you so much. It's it's good to see you back in studio. And, you know, we've been getting acquainted the last month because of what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, so we are recording this program on March 10th. So by the time the podcast airs, some of the events from today's conversation may have changed. But as a way to help our listeners better become acquainted with you, Abigail, Tell us when you moved to Ukraine and what was it like growing up in a foreign country? Um, I moved to Ukraine when I was four months old, so it really wasn't a foreign country for me. I grew up very Ukrainian. Moving back to the U.S. was, it feels more foreign sometimes. I mean, I went through culture shock for years. <laughs> I've lived here three years now, and I still feel like I'm going through culture shock sometimes. Since you are a missionary kid, how often were you able to return to the United States? Because I assume you have aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents who lived in the United States, how often were you able to come visit them? And what was that like? We came every three or so years, usually for the summers. There were two furloughs we took that were six months. One was when my brother was born, so I was three years old, and the other was in 2016 so that I could experience um, some U.S. high school. Um, And it definitely was very interesting, especially when you come back during the summers, you see family real quick. You it, It feels like a vacation, really. Um, and then you go back to normal life back in Ukraine. But while you're in the U.S., at least when we were here on furloughs, it was just you're a spectacle for three, six months. You're you're it feels like royalty sometimes. Everybody's so excited to see the missionaries right. from Ukraine. Right now. What was your what was Do you have a favorite memory of a of a furlough or a time here in the United States while you're really living in the Ukraine? There is one time I can remember. um, I mean, growing up as missionary kids, we, in the eyes of Ukrainians, we had a lot of money, but in the eyes of Americans, we don't really have a lot of money. And yeah. somebody, this is back when we was a huge thing, but somebody gifted me and my brothers a Wii, and my brothers and I were just elated. We played on that thing for like seven hours straight the first night we got it. We were so excited. And then you're like a typical American child that after that seven hours, you hardly play with it again. <laughs> oh, no, we played with it forever. Did you? <laughs> oh, yes. You took it back to Ukraine? We took it back to Ukraine with us. We introduced it to all our friends back in Ukraine. It was so exciting. Uh, that sounds like a f- uh, fun time. Abigail, as I think back to historical events in recent years, I know 
the Ukrainian people have felt military pressure from Russia the past eight years. In fact, Russia annexed Crimea eight years ago. So with that in mind, what was your initial reaction when you heard Russia first invaded your homeland? Uh, this was 15 days ago today. Um, and yeah. I just, it's its a very memorable night for me. I, I don't think I was ever, I mentally was preparing for some sort of invasion. I, I pictured what would my reaction be if I found out that um, Russia was bombing certain cities or yeah. Russia was bombing my city, the capital, Kiev. But I didn't think it would actually ever happen. Um, and my mom texted me right as I was going to bed. Um, and I was trying to go to bed really early because I had a big day the next day and I'm laying in bed trying to fall asleep. And I get this text from my mom and she goes, she texted me and my brothers and she goes, dear ones, the bombings have begun. And I just started bawling right there on the spot. I mean, it's just, you, it was shock. You don't believe it. You, I immediately got on social media and started contacting all my friends and my friends were writing me and they're like, we're okay. We're going to this bomb shelter. We're going here. We're going there. We're going to be okay. And the initial bombings were not on any civilian targets. It was military bases um, and some airstrikes around the airport. But yeah. So I've heard in previous interviews that you've done with area media that um, the, the bombing hit has hit close to home. Explain uh, that situation and scenario for our mm -hmm. listeners. Um, so the second night of the war, um, my... I was getting ready for bed again and I was on the phone with my brother and he and I were both like, how are we going to sleep tonight? Like, how do you how do right. you go to bed when you know that it's morning there and everybody's being bombed there? And so yeah. we're just talking this through. And then all of a sudden I get live notifications with a lot of what's going on. And there is this notification that says there are bombings on the left bank. And I live on the left bank of the the city, Kiev. And it said that it was at the Abalon uh, train station uh, metro station and that's two metro stations down from my place and I just I freaked out I was like Andrew yeah. they're bombing they're bombing our they're bombing our neighborhood yeah. and within minutes I a friend texted me well I texted a friend and I said I hear there's bombings in our area she goes they shot down a plane um the debris of which hit the apartment building right across from my childhood apartment building and there was just my brother and I were looking at pictures within 30 minutes of the destruction and there was our playground behind that was the elementary school yeah. I went to. It was yeah. just the stores my brother and I used to buy ice cream from. It was just that's that was home and you never expect to see home blown up or on fire. So how did you respond to actually seeing the pictures of your playground being destroyed or your school? It, it's shock. Absolute shock. Like you go shock and then you go numb because it's it's not real. This can't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you said that they shot down a plane and the debris fell, I mean, they meaning Ukrainian shot down a Russian plane? Ukrainian shot down a Russian plane, yes. Okay. So uh, from earlier conversations with you, uh, you know, you've, you've told me that uh, Ukrainians view Russia, p Russian people as brothers. Why would a brother attack a sibling? Russia, Russia would really like Ukraine back under... Um, back under its control. They viewed the Ukrainian yeah. territory as theirs. They view um, the Ukrainian people as ethnically theirs. Now, what probably Dr. Dewar will touch on in the next podcast is that Ukraine has been around for much longer than Ukrainian people have been around for 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 centuries longer, it feels like. And so yeah. um, I've been, we've always talked about, as Ukrainians, we've always referred to Russia as a brother, but in recent 
recent in the past couple of weeks, we've referred to I've seen a lot of posts saying, you know, we're no longer brothers. No brother would ever do this to us. Right. Um, just cutting off that very significant tie. I, I agree. I, I don't know how any sibling would attack another sibling. And uh, it's tragic. And we pray that the war ends soon. Um, but as I listen to your story, I'm, I'm curious, how are your friends doing? Praise God, all of them are safe right now. Um, I do have a friend who she evacuated from Kiev two days ago, um, and she and her husband, they have two little boys uh, that are in elementary school, and her husband stayed back with the house that they just built. They've spent nine years building this house, um, and they moved into it seven months ago. So her husband stayed back with the house, and she and the boys are on their way to the Polish border right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll pray for them. Um, I also heard a story from you, you know, in, in the midst of difficulty, you know, we should be doing all we can to encourage people who are in that difficulty. So I need to encourage you and you need to, need to encourage your Ukrainian friends. And I know you have been doing that. And one story that was uh, impactful for me that I heard um, was how you encourage your pastor, his wife, and their daughter. Share with us that story. Yes, I um, my pastor and his wife, uh, they, within the first couple of days, were able to get out west. And then my pastor split, and he's uh, out um, in the reserves digging trenches and just doing a lot of manpower. Right. Um, and uh, we've just been texting a lot and just been praying. And um, there's just there's been so many instances where, where you pick up the phone and you're like, I, I'm praying for you, and yeah. I just want to give you a really big hug right now. And uh, my pastor's wife, she's one of my closest friends, she'll text back and she'll just say, like I'm, I'm hugging you and I'm, I'm praying for you mm -hmm. and I just we'll, someday we'll see each other again in the capital and yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but specifically when uh, on Christmas break you went back and you gave the little daughter a gift. Yeah. That was actually a, not my pastor's. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. No, that was a different friend. My, I was. My friend Olya and I, we met in baptism classes, actually. And okay. then within a year, uh, she got engaged and I was her maid of honor. And then well, I, when I came back to the U.S., uh, she had a little baby girl. And so when I was in Ukraine um, for Christmas break, this most recent Christmas break, I brought the, the baby girl a lot of uh, different gifts, including a little stuffed animal. Um, and this, this nine-month-old baby girl absolutely loved the stuffed animal and um, about five days into the invasion, Olya and uh, the baby girl Kira were able to evacuate. And she said that one of the few stuffed animals, one of the few things they could bring with them was this little stuffed animal. And it's just, I mean, I know how much I love my stuffed animals. And to think that there's this nine-month-old baby girl holding a toy that I was able to give her like, and comfort her through all of this. It's just, yeah. That's a very tangible way of showing the love of Christ um, to this little girl and to her, her parents. And uh, it was really a touching story when you shared it with other people. I'm interested in learning how a Ukrainian person found her way to Cedarville University. How did this happen? Uh, that's a very good question. My mom is from the Akron Canton uh, area up okay. in Northern Ohio. And so we always knew about Cedarville. Um, and the goal was that I would go to, my parents' goal was they wanted me to go to college in the U.S. And so I applied to a bunch of different Christian colleges and Cedarville accepted me. And um, at first, Cedarville was near the bottom of my list. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> and then um, God had his way and I'm here now. And I, I wouldn't have picked any other college looking back on it. Cedarville's, Cedarville's the place for me. So as a college student, 
here in the United States from Ukraine, another um, for a foreign country, how difficult was it for you to adjust, one, to America and then to academics in rural Ohio? Uh, it's very different, for sure. I mean, I think the first semester I was just very excited to be here. I mean, I'd spent so much time preparing to come to college in the U.S. and all of my Ukrainian friends. I mean, we'd known for years that I would be leaving once I graduated high school that I'd be moving back to the U.S. So my last, my junior and senior year were very bittersweet years where my church just came around me and mm. we spent every minute together that we potentially could. So when I came here, I knew that I'd been preparing for this for a really long time. Um, and so socially, immediately I made a lot of friends. I mean, and I was blessed. That's a blessing from God to have a lot right. of friends immediately. Right. Yeah. Academically, I was exercise science for my first two years here. Um, and I love sports. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to major in sports. I'm going to do something with sports. Um, and I I enjoyed my classes a lot, but my grades, <laughs> I couldn't keep up with all of them. So yes. So exercise science was a challenge academically. So is that the the main reason why you changed your major? Or was there really a love for what you're pursuing now, and that's international studies? Really, honestly, my my goal for a long time had been, let's do exercise science. Let's do some sort of ministry with sports. Let's find a job with sports. Um, and so when I, I couldn't pass my anatomy classes, I loved my anatomy class. Anatomy one, I took it twice. Um, and I loved it. I could teach the material to other people. I mean, I just lived and breathed it, but I couldn't pass a test for the life of me. Um, and I was really frustrated. And looking back, that was just definitely a God thing. Um, and so last summer, I realized, you know, I've taken anatomy twice. Anatomy is the basics. If I can't pass anatomy, I'm not going to make it through this major. Right. Um, and so I started looking for other majors. And my my dad for a long time had told me, do international studies, do international studies. Like, uh, you'll be a good fit there. But I was, I didn't know what job I could pursue with international studies. Um, and so a lot of friends sat me down and they were like, we think you'd be really good. And they just started listing off different jobs. Um, and I think it was a God thing, um, him putting all of those friends in my life last summer and saying, you'd be good at this, you'd be good at that. Um, and so eventually I picked international studies and holy cow, it's a really good fit. I love it. <laughs> Wait, why? What makes it a good fit? I, it's, the classes are very interesting. I think I hesitated to go into international studies because my life has been so international. I was just like, right. why would I major in what feels like my life to some extent? Like, mm -hmm. why not pick a different field grow yeah. somewhere else. Um, but really, I'm realizing that God has blessed me with a very international-minded uh, upbringing and lifestyle now. And so just to be in classes where we're discussing political events, where we're analyzing different cultures, where we're um, trying to, to, uh, to, to some extent, fix the world's problems, is, it's fascinating to me. And I'm just, I'm realizing how God has built me. Yeah. What's it like to study under a professor like Dr. Dewar, especially during the situation we find ourselves in right now? I, Dr. Dewar is amazing. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm blessed to have a professor who cares about Ukraine so much, who cares about the world so much. But um, specifically, I think because he has international experience, you know, he grew up um, overseas and he, he understands some of that, some of the, the, having a love for other countries outside of the U.S. Um, and so it's, I enjoy, I learned so much from him and I just enjoy every single one of his classes. Yeah. yeah. So 
you've been in the international studies major for not even quite a year, right? Yeah. So you have one more year to go. Have you started to think like what this degree could lead to? I'm hoping that eventually I'll work for some sort of intelligence agency. But you know what? I think because exercise science didn't work out, I mean, God really used me to really use that situation to make me more flexible. So if intelligence doesn't work out, I'm I'm fine working in nonprofits, humanitarian aid. I'm yeah. I'm open to just about anything, whether it's government to yeah, you know what? I'm I'm okay with everything at this point. You know, I I could see you working in intelligence. I can see you working for the State Department. I could see you working handling international affairs. How many languages do you speak? Three. <laughs> what what are they? English, Russian, and Ukrainian. So, okay, yeah. so that that should give you a great advantage. Uh, that's why I think uh, uh, internationally. You have a bright future um, if this is the way the Lord leads. So I'm going to follow your career after you graduate. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where he takes you and what he has you do. Um, In our closing moments with Abigail Riss, I want to ask you a question that everyone listening will be able to relate to in some way. We all face trials in our lives, which James tells us to consider it pure joy when we face various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So that that will lead to uh, a mature Christian life. And there are times when people, even friends, uh, betray us and causing us great harm. So here's my question, Abigail. As a believer in Christ, are you able to forgive others? In As it says in Romans 12, 19, we are instructed to lead the judgment with the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Have you, have you worked with the Lord in a way to uh, forgive the Russian people for the harm that they've caused your friends, your family, your country. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not hard for me not to forgive the Russian people because they are so influenced with propaganda. Um, they don't really know what they're doing, what's going on. I mean, they're being lied to through their teeth, a lot of them. Right. And so, I mean, you can't be angry at a nation that doesn't know what's going on. I mean, I feel I feel bad for them. Um, and leadership wise i mean it's putin and and everybody in leadership and you just think how much has the devil um really destroyed his life and how much has he really worked there and yeah yeah so um how how do you deal with how do you personally deal with um knowing that the leadership in russia is lying to its people and is causing great harm you pray for them yeah yeah you pray for them i know a lot of um, I have some Russian friends who follow me on social media, and I I I post what I can, what I think is, what I think is, um, first of all, accurate information about what's going on in Ukraine. Second of all, I'm very open on my stories, Instagram stories, and different social media platforms about my faith, and just saying, listen, like God is still a good God, and it's it's going to be okay. Um, and God is still a good God, whether there's a war going on or whether you're having a, a bad morning. You know, I, God. God's goodness, God's mercy meets you everywhere. And so, I mean, when I when I post stuff like that, I'm I'm trying to encourage both my Ukrainian friends and also some of my Russian followers, just just pointing them to to Christ. So um, I know from you that uh, you have found support from classmates and professors here at Cedar Valley University. Uh, once the community learned about your connection with Ukraine, how how have you been encouraged by? your classmates, your professors. Holy cow. I mean, thank you so much, Cedarville, for all of your support. It's just 
different people are emailing me, they're texting me, people uh, will pull me aside and they'll give me big hugs and they just say, we're praying for you. They'll stop on the spot and pray for me. They'll tell me that their church has prayed for me, that their families are praying for me. I mean, and prayer prayer for me, prayer for my family and friends, my my church back in Ukraine and, and the nation that raised me and loved me, that's huge. Um, and I just, I keep uh, telling people pray because when you pray, you're praying a soldier through the battle. You're praying a mother through comforting the child uh, through a difficult night. You're praying, you're praying for a whole nation and your prayers are an iron dome over that nation right now. And so just don't stop praying. Just keep praying. That's great advice. And I encourage everyone listening to the program to um, pray for Abigail and her family specifically as they uh, continue to walk through this um, situation in Ukraine. But pray for the country of and the, the people of Ukraine. Pray for the the Russian people. I agree with Abigail that uh, I think they're being lied to and they don't really know what they're doing. In fact, I don't even think a lot of the soldiers uh, want to even fight. Um, so pray for the whole situation and pray for the, the leadership in Russia that uh, that his plans um, fail and that uh, this war can end uh, really, really soon. Um, I should ask you earlier, because you mentioned uh, uh, that uh, you're starting to get good sleep. Um, was it hard to sleep uh, early during the first few days of the war? It was awful. It was impossible trying to sleep, honestly. And there was war and then there were midterms and there's several other of us on campus who are all from Ukraine. And so we would just, we'd stay up all night sometimes and just be texting each other and just, did you see this? Did you see that? And I mean, you're texting your friends. Are you okay? I mean, I, I had one friend, she texted me um, probably eight o'clock my time. It was the middle of night, her time, 8 p.m. my time. And she goes, I can't sleep. Like the sirens are about to go off. They're saying it's going, we're going to be bombed again. And like, you just you can't sleep when that's when you're receiving that kind of yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you for sharing your life story, your story through this uh, conflict, um, for being a, um, a great Cedarville Uni- University student. As we close now, I want to close in a unique way. Um, you may not know this, but in other podcasts, usually we just play it straight, and I ask a, a, a typical question. But but for you. I'm wondering if you would close this program praying for the people in Ukraine, praying for the conflict, praying for the Russian people in your native Ukrainian language. Would you do that? Yes, yeah. Great. Боже, я дуже дякую за цей день. Боже, я дякую, що ти милосердний, Боже, що ти добрий. Боже, я сильно, сильно молю за за Україну. Будь з ними, будь з нашими пасторями, з нашими церквами, Боже. Будь з нашими солдатами, щоб все було спокійно сьогодні і завтра, і післязавтра на землі. Боже, я молю за Росію, щоб а, ти дав государстві, щоб а, зовсім вони все, все а, зупинили, щоб ця війна а, просто, просто зупинився. Боже, я молю за російські церкви, щоб ти був з ними, щоб вони стояли вірні до тебе, Боже. Я сильно болюсь за наших біженців, за тих, хто поїхали в Європу. Будь з ними, будь з усіма людьми, в кого є Україна в серці, хто зараз страждає від всього цього. Боже, ти був добрий, ти милосердний. Амінь. Амінь. Now, what did you pray for? I prayed for the Ukrainian people. I prayed for the churches, the pastors. Um, the the soldiers to, just to give them strength. I prayed yeah. that um, the Russian government would stop this awful war and that the Russian churches would continue being a light um, for for everybody around them and just 
Yes. Yeah. For everybody who has Ukraine in their heart around the world um, that could be struggling and is weighed down by all of this conflict. Yeah. It's a great prayer. And I, I encourage our listeners to follow suit. Take uh, Abigail's heart in prayer um, and pray as this uh, conflict continues. Abigail, you are a sweet young lady, and I'm so glad, again, you're a Cedarville student. Um, Thanks for sharing your story this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.